The number one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Help at the insurance lawyer.ca. We'll get to the injury calculator and a bunch of cases and your emails and questions throughout this hour. Got uh, both the guys here, Savannah and James. You're both here to uh, to take it away. Who's going to start uh, week that was? You're going to start us off, right, Savannah? Yeah, I'll okay. start. John. What do you got? Uh, let's kick it off. Let's talk about uh, the case that we spoke about. Uh, that I mentioned that I was handling and dealing with last show. If you remember, we spoke about this uh, lady who is 59 years old, turning 60, uh, has worked as a cashier for almost a decade at a uh, grocery store uh, on her feet, obviously, eight hours a day. She has severe rheumatoid arthritis in her feet. She had surgeries on both feet, and she's actually going to have another surgery this December. She was on short-term disability. Uh, and the short-term disability was being paid by the employer, which is quite common, Mm -hmm. but they had cut her off at some point. It didn't pay the last two weeks, and uh, she had applied for long-term disability, hasn't heard back, and had $36 in her account, was about to be evicted, and so her son had contacted me in panic, not knowing what to do. Of course, I looked at all the medical documents. I had corresponded with the the, uh, family doctor. I looked at what the surgeon wrote down, and I wrote a three-page letter to both uh, the employer who was paying the shortened disability or stopped paying that, as well as the LTD insurer, and we gave them a deadline. And I was hoping that you know they would rise to the occasion. Remember I said last time, I said, well, I'm going to keep everyone updated on mm-hmm. this case. We no. didn't start a legal claim. I just put forward a letter that threatened legal action. And guess what? Uh, a day before the deadline, the deadline that I had set, uh, to, ha- to, to, to get a response from yeah. both parties, uh, I get an email from the long-term disability insurance company, and I'll read you the email that I got from them. I'm one, day, to, one day before. It's one day before the deadline that I gave them. Uh, and, and so here's the letter. I'm going to omit the names. Um, this, this lady writes, this adjuster writes, Good afternoon, Sivan. My name is so-and-so. I am the claims manager for, and she puts in my client's name, uh, long-term disability claim with La Capital, which is the insurance company. We have completed our review of your client's claim, and as per your request, dated October 19, 2017, we would like to provide you with an update. We have approved long-term disability benefits. Please see attached approval letter mailed to your client today. We have released Ms. Uh, your client's so benefits so, yeah. by direct deposit today, and she could expect to see her benefit deposited into her account within the next two to three business days. Should you have any questions, contact me. So, of course, that was wonderful news, right? The insurance company rose to the occasion. Uh, and, you know, but I wasn't done yet. And I had contacted my client and her son, and I told them, look, that's great. It's fantastic that the LTD insurer uh, approved the claim, but I still want her to get paid those two weeks that the employer did not pay her for right. shortened disability. And so I immediately wrote the employer, uh, one of the directors of the company, mm-hmm. of this grocery store, and I told them, you know, you have until tomorrow to respond to me. Even though the amount uh, that we would have to claim for is fairly minimal, it's only for two weeks, I'm going to do that on principle, and I'm going to be claiming punitive damages. Well, guess what? The next morning, the day of the deadline, I get an email back from the employer saying, we have just deposited the last two weeks' worth of payment into her account. So, of course, the client was ecstatic. Her son was ecstatic. I mean, the son was virtually in tears on the phone. And what's the lesson here? The lesson is that don't assume that if you are denied long-term or short-term disability benefits, don't assume that you just have to take it. Don't assume that you have no legal rights. Don't assume even that we have to start a legal claim because just by virtue of contacting us and having us engage with the insurance company and giving them a deadline and telling them that if they don't comply, if they don't do what's right, 
they're going to get a legal claim on their desk that they're going to have to deal with, and that's going to be very costly for them. And insurance companies understand that that's going to be costly. And in this case, they did the right thing. They backed off. They put her on LTD. They paid her the shortened disability mm-hmm. payments. Everyone is happy. And she was down to 36 bucks. She was down to how 36 close, bucks, and she was about that? to be evicted. That's right. Wow. That's right. It's just, it's a feel-good story, you know? And, yeah. And, and it does happen. It does happen. But what would have happened had the son not contacted me? You know, by the way, they had called, I think, about five other lawyers. Of course, everyone was giving them different types of advice. It's going to take this long and this long. No. Within two weeks, within two weeks of contacting me, we sorted everything out. Now, I'm not going to say that in every case we can work out miracles, but we know the landscape. We understand how insurance companies work. And I'm telling you, it's not as difficult as you think. It's just not. Insurance companies are banking on most people just walking away from what they're owed legally. And it, it speaks to what you say every show that, you know, just because you decide to uh, contact you, it's like, oh, all of a sudden you're going to go to court. You're going to be wrapped up no. in court for months like OJ. Like it doesn't, <laughs> it, you know, it's not like that. They, two weeks and this person's like got their life back. Man. Yeah. Like, I mean, listen, the time frames vary. Uh, yeah. But I- again, especially when you're dealing with a case that is just so straightforward. Yep. And, you know, in many cases, people contact me. I'm looking at the medical documents at the letters. And I'm scratching my head. How is the insurance company taking an off coverage? Because how are they saying this person should not be getting paid? And, you know, when people come to me with that and I scratch my head, well, guess what? Once we apply pressure, the other side, the insurance company capitulates and they come to the table and they pay. They're playing the odds. They're playing the odds. That you're going to bail. You got I, it. Yeah. I actually had um, <clears throat> a gentleman contact me this week and it was, uh, you know, I'd say it's somewhat similar in terms of my absolute confusion that they could actually cut him off. This is a guy who'd been working for 30 years and had a heart attack earlier this year. Um, and he's been off work since May. None of his doctors, no one with a medical degree thinks this guy can work. He he can't stand for more than five minutes because his feet start to swell. He can't go back to work. But guess what? His insurance company cuts him off in July. His employer knows he can't work, and they continue paying him even after he gets cut off, just out of good faith until they finally gave up in October. But it just goes to show you that, yeah, just because the insurance company says that you can go back to work, it does not mean that they're right. It doesn't mean that they're going to be able to support that with a medical opinion. I mean, it certainly doesn't mean that you can't do anything about it. You can. one 990 help at Lots more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming right up after a short break. Talk radio, AM640. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Get a hold of Savan and his team anytime. Help at the insurancelawyer.ca. And if you find out or want to find out what the pain and suffering component of your claim should be, very simple. Injurycalculator.ca it takes a couple of minutes to go through that. And if you want to contact Savan and the team afterwards, there's a button you click. Could not be simpler. Back to uh, what we were talking about before. What else you got going on, pal? So a gentleman emailed me uh, on Thursday of last week, and let me read the email to you, and then we'll dissect it. Here's what he writes. It says, hello, sir. I hear your, your radio show all the time and find it very useful. Not sure if this has ever come up. I'm on LTD for approximately five months, and before this, on STD for six months. I was approached by my disability insurance asking if I would like to settle for full disability payments up to the two-year mark from when my LTD started. I would have to sign a release, and this would mean that I would have no job to return to when I recover from my injuries. Why are they doing this, and could I be entitled to more in compensation Mm. than what they are offering? Does this mean that my employer also does not want me back? Thank you. Good question. Signed. Yeah, very, very good. And so I followed up with him with a few questions. So it turns out that this gentleman has about, I'd say about 10 years worth of LTD left, um, and 
you know, what the insurance company essentially has offered, I, I clarified that with him, was in exchange for us paying you up to the two-year mark, we'll talk about that in a second, mm-hmm. why the two-year mark, yep. we want you to sign something that says that you are resigning from your job. I'll repeat that. They're asking him to resign from his job as part of the why? deal. It, I'll explain that as part of the deal to pay him for the remainder of the two years. So first of all, why the two years? Because as we've talked a lot about in this program, within the first two years of being on LTD, the criteria or the test for you to be eligible for LTD is can you do your own job? Own it's called the test. own occupation yep. test. Exactly. Can you do your own occupation? Beyond the two-year mark, the question becomes, the criteria expands and it becomes, can you do any job, not just your job, but any job for which you are suited for by training, education, or experience? Yep. Okay. So what are they trying to do here? They're trying to buy him off by paying only up to the two-year mark, okay? So if he's got, let's say, 10 years left, and let's say he would have been eligible for the remainder uh, eight years, right? Beyond the They're two years. They're lopping off 80%. You got it, nice. exactly. It, I mean, that's just, you yeah. know, to, to, to look at it in, in a very broad, yeah, in a very simplistic way. Uh, but here's what really bothers me, not the fact that they're offering that, because, okay, you know, they're entitled to offer that. That's fine. I mean, if the guy wants the money right now up front, they're going to cut him a check for those future payments. That's okay. He's going to take a huge discount, but he's going to get money in his pocket right now. I don't necessarily agree that he should do that. Be that as it may, the fact that they're asking him to resign from his job, think about that for a second. They would never, never, ever be able to get a court to, to force him to resign from his job. So let's say that they cut him off LTD. And let's say we had to fight that. And somehow we got to court, which, by the way, these cases almost never get to court. A judge would never, ever say that in order for me to order that you receive LTD, I'm also going to order that you have to quit your job. I mean, what is he doing by quitting? Maybe he's been in this job for 30 years. Maybe if he quits this job, he's not going to be able to go back uh, to this job or any other job. He's going to be disadvantaged. You know, the insurance company, what they're trying to do here, they're trying to exert tremendous pressure on him. They're afraid that if they pay him that two year, uh, two years worth of payments, they're afraid that the following month after he receives the money, he's going to go back to work. Well, if that's your concern, then don't offer him those two years anyways. (laughs) But to ask him to quit his job, and you know, this is not the first time that I have now seen insurance companies trying to get people on disability to accept some kind of a lump sum payment. And as part of the settlement that they're proposing, the person has to resign from their employment. Do not ever accept that. The insurance company has no power. They have no right to even ask, let alone demand as part of a settlement package that you resign from your job. I think it's a dirty tactic. And frankly, as far as I'm concerned, that gives rise, in my view, to a punitive damages claim if down the road they cut you off. And that was one of the considerations that you just didn't agree to, to, to quit your job. It's just, it's preposterous. It's also another, one of the reasons, the brilliance of having, you know, employment law, the other half of your law firm in office. That's right. right. Cover yeah. that stuff, right? Like, Absolutely. I mean, not a day goes by without our, the LTD lawyers, the disability lawyers, injury lawyers in my firm talking to their counterparts, the employment lawyers mm-hmm. who deal with employment matters on right. a day-to-day basis. I mean, it's crucial to have that communication. Injury calculator, I mentioned it a couple of times. Give me some details on it. Fantastic tool. It is a free online tool allows you to uh, go on it and within a matter of seconds um, find out how much you could potentially be looking at for compensation for your pain and suffering if you've been injured through no fault of your own anywhere in Ontario let's say you're in a car accident uh, slip and fall something happened you're injured you broke your shoulder you broke I don't know you got a concussion something happened you want to know does it make sense for me to start a legal claim 
how much can I expect to get for my pain and suffering? That calculator allows you to do that really quickly. You just input some information in there, including the type of injury you have, uh, and the database uh, or the tool scans a database of cases from across the country where people have had claims like yours with similar injuries and what judges have said that their pain and suffering is worth. So it just gives you a starting point. And at the end, yeah. there's a little button there that says, you know, ask for a free consult if you want to have a more in-depth consultation with us, because of course, it's not just a pain and suffering. Maybe you can't go back to work. Maybe yeah. you have difficulty in work, income yeah. loss. There's a whole bunch of, of losses that we can talk about uh, for each individual case. Injurycalculator.ca is the address, one 9646 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to some of your emails a little later on in the show for sure. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. The number to get a hold of Savannah or another member of his team. James here as well. You can uh, do that or email help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And if you haven't checked it out, you have any questions? By the way, mydisabilityquestions.com. There's a drop down menu. Your uh, question might have already been answered, so check it out. If not, uh, type it in there, and Savannah will get back to you uh, very shortly. Email. I'll throw this towards you, James. From Maria says uh, I was cut off long term disability a few weeks ago. And spoke with two lawyers who said that it would take at least a few years to settle my case. Is that true? Does it take that long? I have a degenerative neurological condition and my doctors are unequivocal that I can't go back to work and I'm 48 years old, by the way. So, I, I mean, it can be true, um, yeah. but it, it, it won't be true in many cases. Um, and it's our practice to try and get it settled as quickly as possible. And we do that by issuing claims as soon as we get the file. And so we get a file, we issue a claim, and we send a letter to the insurer saying, let's discuss this, because the insurers know. They know that in most of these cases, um, they have cut people off when they shouldn't have. They know that they're exposed. They know that at the end of the day, they're going to have to wind up paying something, um, usually something fairly significant. Mm -hmm. And it costs them a lot less money to deal with it sooner than to litigate to pay a lawyer, to right. you know, to pay doctors to continue to assess. They know that if they push the, the process down that road, it's just going to cost them more. So more often than not, it's going to get resolved quite quickly. Having said that, it can take longer than that if the insurer is unreasonable from the start and continues to be unreasonable and won't put money on the table, then yeah, we're not going to recommend that you take something that is far less than the value of your mm -hmm. long-term disability. But more often than not, it's going to get resolved quite quickly. Six months to a year is what we aim for. Because we uh, we say over and over again the show that they play the odds. They're hoping that you'll just walk away before it gets too difficult and not consult legal advice, right? Exactly. Exactly. Oh. No, I, and more often than not, people do, and that's a shame. Um, and that's why we're here, and that's why we have this show. We want to reach as many people as possible and make sure that people understand that there is an option, there is an alternative, and it's not a difficult one. All you have to do is pick up a phone and call us. Great topic. That is, this one comes up all the time, and you hear people talking about it when it comes to LTD and so many other things, and that is the uh, the use of social media. What people uh, post often can sink a case. Is that true or not? Or should they just stay off social media? <laughs> well, it would, it would be my preference in many cases if uh, many people did stay off social media. Uh, but having said that, um, you know, we recognize that People have lives, and that part of that now just involves social media, and often there's no way of getting around that. But it doesn't mean that there aren't things that you can do, even if you are going to be on social media. Um, certainly, you want to make sure that your privacy um, settings are set in a way that people who you don't know 
can't access what's on your social media profile. So you want to set those so just the people that you've given approval for um, can see what you've posted on there. Uh, Another good strategy is to make sure that nobody can post to your Facebook page, for example, without your having approved it beforehand. Hmm. And yet another good policy is just to avoid doing things that are going to make you look foolish in the context of an ongoing legal claim. Um, and, you know, in doing that, you avoid any issues with, you know, any photographs showing up of you, you know, in a compromising position. Well, I think generally social media, I mean, people kind of know it's a, it's a shiny, happy platform, right? People don't generally post dread on Facebook. It's, hey, look what I'm doing now. So you got a little bit of leeway in that regard, right? Well, that's true. But a lot of times these cases are tried by a jury. And, you know, even though people who have looked at this in depth understand that the profile that you see of a person on social media is often not an accurate profile, it's not always something that you're going to be able to make a jury understand. Explain away. Exactly. And so it's much safer to avoid that or to limit other people's access to that. What do you think? Well, just remember that insurance companies understand uh, that social media is a quote-unquote happy place, that oftentimes you post things, uh, you know, to, to show off certain things, sure. you know, that you're happy, you just went on vacation, or you just participated in some activity in your kid's school, I don't know, something. Right. Understand that insurance companies, adjusters, they go to social media. I mean, they scour those uh, platforms. And they'll prey on it. And they'll prey on it. Yeah. Remember, insurance companies are in the business of uh, making money. And one of the ways they make money is they save money, and they save money by cutting people off or denying claims. They need ammunition for that. Don't give them that ammunition. It's just that simple. Can we deal with it? Yes, we can deal with it. I mean, we can we can explain certain things, but the optics are bad, right? I mean, you want we, our job is to 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 strengthen your case. Uh, you know, don't go and do something and then post it that is going to considerably weaken your case. That's that's what I have to say. And I can tell you also, having worked for insurance companies in the past. I looked at people's social media uh, postings and, you know, oftentimes I would print off, you know, a whole bunch of stuff and I would show it to the other lawyer and I said, well, this is what your client did just last week. Look, you know, he apparently is very depressed, but, and, and can't lift X, Y, and Z, but he went fishing Bungie jumping. and he went doing, yeah, turned out well, but, but that's, but you see those kinds of yeah. things, right? So be very, very careful. Yeah. More often than not, when I see anything uh, from defense counsel involving social media, it's far more damaging than what they get on their own from surveillance. So a lot of times they'll hire investigators, um, but what they come up with is usually not particularly interesting. On the other hand, when they go looking on your Facebook page, they're almost always going to find something. They're almost always going to find something. So you have to be careful. And it's, I mean, you have a certain amount of control with what goes on, you know, a posting that you put up, but you can't always control comments that people go, oh, I remember you were doing that last week. You lifted even more. You're like, shut up. (laughs) <laughs> that's right. <laughs> What's wrong with you? So, well, not, yeah. not our clients. Yeah, go back. Yeah, that's right. Go just go back 15 years and stay off social media. Would be a lot wiser, right? Just do it. A little bit of control. You you have to have control. Yeah, yeah you really really do. Yeah. We'll take a short break. Get to more of your emails and questions as well. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Injurycalculator.ca. Find out what the pain and suffering component of your claim should be. The Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio AM six forty. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is that number. Uh, the email is simply help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Charles use it writes in says I was in a car crash last December when another car smashed into us and our car flipped twice. I broke a few ribs and still have problems working because of a knee surgery I had uh, from this accident. I'm getting long term disability and was wondering if I should start a legal claim against the other driver. Uh, will that affect my LTD payments? Should I do it? 
Charles, excellent, excellent question. And there's a lot of uh, the, the, the legal technical explanation could take us an hour here just because it's interesting how the different types of compensation you're entitled to from your own insurance company, from the other side's insurance company, LTD, uh, your employer, you know, vis-a-vis your employment. Uh, but, you know, the, the really important thing to stress here is that when people get into these kinds of serious accidents and they have all these insurance companies that they need to deal with, don't do it on, on your own. I mean, you are risking a lot by doing it on your own unless you have expertise in the field. And oftentimes we get people who contact us when you know they've tripped over their own feet. They've been trying to deal with insurance companies on their own only to find out that uh, you know they're not really getting what they're supposed to, that they've done things that now we can't fix, yeah. right? They've, they've made mistakes along the way. Don't be in that position. And frankly, a lot of lawyers get confused with the way the legislation works. So to answer your question specifically, Charles, uh, first of all, clearly you had a very, very serious accident. So, uh, you know, you'd be uh, entitled to uh, or owed compensation from the insurance company, from the other driver, such as pain and suffering, uh, potential income losses in the future, a whole bunch of other types of losses that we need to discuss. Uh, your own uh, insurance company uh, is going to be paying you accident benefits, mm-hmm. income replacement benefits. They're going to be paying for your medical and rehabilitation. Now, you're getting LTD. Your LTD is a contract that you have between you and your LTD insurance company. And that contract probably has provision that state that if you receive income from another source, gets such gets deducted, such as from your accident benefits insurer, right? The automobile mm-hmm. uh, uh, carrier insurance company. Uh, so very, very important to understand that you do have these set-offs and deductions. That said, if you're in an accident, you should be applying to all sources of income. So you have LTD, you should also be starting particularly in light of the fact that it's such a serious accident, a claim against the other driver's insurance, well, it's against the other driver, but their insurance company will respond to this claim. Uh, So, you know, we're going to get in touch with each other after the show so I can explain in more detail uh, the technical aspects of your claim because you do have to make sure that you navigate the landmines that exist when you're dealing with multiple insurance Mm -hmm. companies. I'm not trying to dissuade anyone from engaging uh, with these insurance companies, but you have to do it smartly. Because remember, these insurance companies, to some extent, what they're going to be paying you overlaps. So one insurance company is going to say at some point, I'm not going to pay that. The other insurance company is going to have to pay that. And guess what? That other insurance company is going to turn around and say, no, 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 no. It's the other insurance company. Right. And you don't want to be in between them. Because guess what? You're dealing with very sophisticated entities. They know what they're doing. And their mandate is to pay you the least that they can. Mm -hmm. And they will do that if you don't have someone on your side uh, that understands the the legal landscape, understand how these insurance policies uh, intertwine, who has to pay what. And this is exactly where we come in. And this is where we advise clients daily, daily on these kinds of issues. And, and I'm telling you, if you don't have someone advocating on your behalf and you don't have expertise in this area, I'm almost guaranteeing you. Okay, almost guaranteeing you because I can't guarantee 100%. Sure. I can tell you, you are most likely going to end up with less money that you are owed. The other thing I would add to that, though, is the reason why it's so important to make sure that you are covering all bases, that you are going after every claim that you might have, is because as we hear every week on this show, virtually every question, Someone has been denied their benefits or someone yeah. you know, hasn't been treated properly by the insurance company. And you can bet that it's going to happen. 
if you have three different sources to start a legal claim, you want to start against all three because you can bet that one of them isn't going to do what they're supposed to. And you want to make sure that you're covered in every other way possible. Well, one more thing, John, that mm. I want to add, because I think that's actually a very key point. You know, we often get people calling us because they have a car, they've had a car accident, so they have a lawyer dealing with that, but that lawyer doesn't know how to deal with long-term disability. Or maybe they have an LTD lawyer who doesn't understand the car accident legislation. Right. And maybe they have lawyers for both, but now their employer is giving them a hard time and they don't know what to do with the employment side of the equation. But everything is related. If you are using three, four, five different lawyers for different things, you can bet that something somewhere is going to get missed. And, and again, this is one of the, the, I would say, cool thing that we have at the firm, very, very neat, that we have lawyers who really deal with all of these areas of law. And so they're communicating amongst themselves, not lawyers in different firms, everyone under one roof, so we can maximize the compensation for the clients. one 9646 is the number to get a hold of Savannah and his team. So you're injured in a car accident, you can't work, but then your long-term disability insurer cuts you off payments. What's the first recourse? Do you have it? Uh, well, so th- that's that's interesting. So your long-term disability insurance company cuts you off, not unusual, uh, after a car accident. And at the same time, you're dealing with getting accident benefits from your insurance company. Uh, if it was somebody else's fault, again, we just talked about that. Yeah. You may have a claim against that insurance company. What's your recourse if you are cut off LTD? Well, your recourse, from my perspective, is to start a claim against the LTD insurer immediately. Because again, remember, all of these insurance policies you know, the net effect that they're going to have on your compensation is that they're intertwined. Mm -hmm. And if you don't make a claim against one of the insurance companies for a type of benefit you're entitled to, you're going to have a problem down the road where another insurance company is going to say, we're not paying that. The other insurance company that you forgot about, they're the ones who are supposed to pay you. So very, very important. If you are cut off LTD, we, we have to start a claim yeah. almost immediately. Very, very important. We'll take a, a short break. one 990 is a number. Injurycalculator.ca. Find out what your pain and suffering amount should be. And email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to another email after a short break. The Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's right here. Talk Radio AM 640. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca for email. I'll throw this one to you. James Grace writes in, says a good friend of mine was denied LTD and went uh, to a lawyer who said that he can appeal it. He's appealed three times now, and she was denied every time. He says uh, that she doesn't have many options left. I don't understand that. Can't she start a legal claim against the insurer the way you keep saying on your show? Why would he appeal three times? Why would he appeal three times? Yeah. Either he really enjoys frustration (laughs) or the lawyer doesn't know what he's doing. Or Um, both. It could be both. It could be both. It could be both. It's a bad combination. Um, The appeal process, and we've talked about this many times and we'll continue to talk about it. The appeal process is something the insurers put in in order to drag things out. By time. Exactly. And if they do it long enough, you won't be able to start a legal claim. You have two years from the date of the denial. It doesn't matter how many times you appeal. You can appeal five times. It does not extend the timeline at all. So they'll let you keep appealing, but don't. There's no point. You're just going to frustrate yourself. Talk to someone who knows what they're doing, namely us. We'll start a claim and that will get their attention. That's the way you deal with them. Until you do that, until they realize that you're actually going to fight them on it, that you're not just going to settle for their internal appeal process, they're not going to do anything. They're not going to change their minds. 
I agree. Okay. I have absolutely nothing to add. And, and by the way, we see this a lot, yeah. all the time. People just keep, you know, begging their head against the wall. They just, these appeals are useless. I know insurance companies are going to take issue with this, yeah. with us saying that, but they are useless. And I'm just talking from anecdotal evidence. We see this every, every day. You know, we mentioned a couple of times during the show about the employment side of this. So if someone is let go from their job while they're on long-term disability, how does that affect the claim or does it? Yeah. So this is interesting. So if you're let go uh, while you're on LTD, uh, most LTD policies, uh, it, it will not affect them. Because once you go on LTD, the criteria is, is no longer are you employed. The criteria is do you, uh, are you able to do your occupation, irrespective of whether that right. job is available to you or not. In fact, oftentimes insurance companies specifically say that. They say, we don't care if there is a job for you to go back to. We just care whether or not you satisfy the test. Are you disabled from working in your occupation? But here's where it becomes more nuanced. Let's assume for a second that you are let go from your job. And let's assume that you've done the right thing and called Lior uh, to find out what kind of severance you should be looking at. In mm-hmm. other words, your company paid you two weeks of severance, but you really owed five months worth of severance. Sure. All right. Now, if you look at your LTD policy, it will likely contain a provision there that says that to the extent that you're entitled to any severance mm-hmm. because you're let go, us, the insurance company, are entitled to a credit. Yep. So if you get five months worth of income, well, then that's five months worth of LTD, let's say, you're that you're not going to get. Yeah. Exactly. But here's where it's important to go to us, where we have expertise on both employment and the LTD fronts. Why? Because if you are let go from your job while you're disabled, you've potentially, you potentially have a human rights claim because you've been let go while on disability, which is a human rights breach. Why is that important? Because now when we negotiate your severance, we may not negotiate five months worth of severance. We may negotiate, let's say, uh, three months worth of severance and two months worth of whatever the equivalent, the monetary equivalent of human rights damages. And is that deductible from the LTD? No, the human rights damages are not deductible. So now instead of the insurance company getting a credit for five months worth of money, now they can only get a credit for three months. So my point is, just to boil it down to the basics, you know, if you are let go from your job while you are on LTD, it should not affect your LTD coverage, but you should contact us in any event ASAP because when we deal with the employer uh, in, in your employment situation, that will affect what the LTD insurer is going to be entitled to. Where deduct, the money's going to come from. Which means you're going to get yeah. more money. That's the yeah. point, right? That's We can maximize how much ends up in your pocket. That's the key. Help at the insurancelawyer.ca is that uh, email address. Mike says, I've been listening to your show for over a year. Love it. I had a long-term disability claim a few years back that another lawyer handled, and he really screwed it up. Then a friend of mine had a similar issue, and I told him to contact you, and you guys resolved his case in just a few months. I couldn't believe it. Just wanted to ask why my case took four and a half years, and his just took a few months. That's that's not cool. Well, I'd start with wanting to know um, how the other lawyer really screwed it up, because yeah. that's probably a good starting point. Yeah, right. Um, as we've mentioned uh, many times, we really push to get our cases resolved as quickly as possible. It's really important, not just us, but for our clients to make sure that you know they have that income source as soon as possible. When they're cut off, more often than not, they don't have any other income coming in. And so we push as soon as we get the file to get a mediation within six to 12 months. Sometimes it's even sooner than that. That's what our focus is on. Why your case took four and a half years, I really couldn't even begin to comment. Sometimes it will take very long. It's rare. 
but more often than not, we're going to be able to get it resolved far more quickly than four and a half years. You know, and you remember, John, the case we started the uh, the show with today, that lady that I was able to help, literally within a matter of two weeks from her coming to me, we got her um, reinstated on LTD. And you didn't even issue a claim? No, on we didn't issue a claim. Exactly. I mean, and again, it's a testament exactly to what James said, which is that we have you have to push these cases forward. And I'm telling you, as someone who used to do defense work, I worked for insurance companies. I can't tell you how many times I would be instructed by the adjuster, my client. I was on for the insurance company. They're telling me, get the case resolved. They're telling me that. Yeah. I reach out to the lawyer representing the injured person, and I can't get a hold of them. They're, dragging and they're not. Feet. They're dragging their feet. I'm not getting responses and nothing. Well, if you're in that boat, if you're in that situation where your case is just taking eons and eons to resolve... Maybe there's a problem there on your side of the yeah. equation. Maybe it's not the insurance company that's dragging their feet. And, you know, that does happen, unfortunately. one 990 is our number. You should have at all times to get a hold of Savan and his team. And it is uh, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't checked it out yet, find out what the pain and suffering component of a claim should be. Injurycalculator.ca as well. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's on Talk Radio, AM640. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. The number it is help at the insurance lawyer Say I'll throw this one towards uh, towards you, James. Insurance company uh, deals with lawyers like you. Do they evaluate claims differently depending on which lawyer law firm is on the other side of the file? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. Why? Yeah, Savon has worked for defense firms, and so have I. We both cut our teeth working for defense firms um, who are representing insurance companies. And the reason why they do it, the main reason, is because they want to know if the firm on the other side is going to be willing to take the case as far as needed. It doesn't mean that you have to take every case to trial. But if they know that you're not willing to do it, they know that you're not willing to spend the resources and to invest the time and energy and risk going to trial, then they're not going to put the money on the table. And that's why you need to have a firm that is willing to do that. It doesn't mean you want to do it. It doesn't mean that you're looking to do it. But you have to be ready to do it and willing to do it. So, yeah, absolutely they evaluate it differently. Just as we evaluate it differently depending on who the defense counsel is as well. You know, we know the defense counsel that um, are willing to, you know, settle things and be reasonable or to at least advise their clients. Um, And we also know where they're not. And also we take a look at who the insurance companies are too. There are differences between the insurance companies. It's all part of the equation for sure. Yeah. Some are, some are willing to roll better than others, right? They are. I actually have uh, an interesting um, case that came to mind. It's a case I had a few uh, years ago. And uh, I was the third lawyer on the file representing my client, uh, the injured individual, not the insurance company. And we go to mediation. And up until then, the insurance company had put, I think, about twenty twenty-five thousand dollars on the table. It was an injury case; it wasn't a disability case. And we go to mediation, and it turns out that I actually know the adjuster on the other side. I actually used to work with that adjuster, oh. uh, and so you know we were chatting. And, and guess what? <laughs> Towards the end of the mediation, uh, the other side, the insurance company, had put a hundred thousand dollars on the table. We ended up rejecting that, but you know, just curiously, I was talking with the other lawyer after the mediation, the defense lawyer, and I said, well, why would they suddenly put $100,000? Yeah. And you know what she says to me? She, this is off the record. She says to me, uh, well, it's because he knows you, and you know, his assessment changed when you got on the file. And so his recommendation to his principals uh, was it. different. And, and my point is, and James is right, we worked for insurance companies in the past. When I used to get a claim on my desk, 
when I was defending insurance companies, I would flip to the last page to see who's the lawyer, who's the law firm, are they serious, are they serious players, and I would advise the insurance company, my client, accordingly. It does make a difference. It makes a huge difference. And the insurance companies keep a book on the plaintiff's lawyers. Right. They know who's who. They know who's willing to push things and who isn't. Who went to the Barney Rubble Law School? Okay, this guy's going to be a pushover for sure. Absolutely. Oh, they know that too. And they they will will try to undersettle that file because they'll know that that lawyer will recommend that to their client. Yeah. Yeah, and and they'll share information amongst all of the lawyers that work for the same insurance company. They'll all know. They'll all be working out of the same playbook. An email from uh, Lara says, my husband has been on long-term disability for over a year, and uh, the adjuster is now pressuring him to start a return-to-work program. He doesn't feel ready, and his doctor doesn't think he should do this yet. Uh, what do we do if his benefits are cut off because he can't comply with the return-to-work program? Well, first of all, Lara, um, I can tell you that you did the absolutely right thing here, which is contact us before the crisis right. arises. Uh, now, uh, the, you know, insurance companies often try to press disabled individuals to go back to work, and they use different methods to do that. Sometimes uh, they outright tell you, if you don't try it, we're going to cut you off. And sometimes they, you know, suggest to you that it might not be wise uh, yeah. to disagree with what they're saying. Don't be afraid of that. It's a common tactic. Here's how you fight back. You make sure you provide an updated medical report from your doctor or your doctors, if you have multiple doctors, saying you are unable at present time to go back to work or to even try the return to work program. Okay, That is the toughest, the biggest uh, shield you can possibly bring out to counter the insurance company's mm-hmm. tactic of trying to force you back to work. And, you know, if that doesn't work and they tell you that, no, they don't care, they're going to cut you off, you call us, you email us immediately. Because guess what? Once we intercede, once we intervene here, first of all, we could potentially uh, avoid the cutoff by telling them that if they, in fact, proceed with it, they're going to get a claim on their desk the very next day. Uh, but I'll tell you what, if, if they don't back off and they actually go through with the threat despite the new medical documents that you've provided, yeah. uh, we will start that claim very, very fast and we will be very aggressive in pursuing your legal entitlement. So, Lara, nothing to worry about. Let's chat off air, give you some more information about what needs to be done, but this is not uncommon. And I think another really important point here, point here Laura, is you have to make sure that you are following your doctor's advice at all times, regardless of what your insurance right. company is saying. You have to do what's in your best interest. You have to take care of your own health. And even if that means that you have to start a legal claim because your insurance company cuts you off, you have to do that then. You can't go back to work if your doctors are saying don't go back. That's right. Good for another week, guys. The number one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six email as we close here. Help at the insurancelawyer.ca to get a hold of Savannah or James or the rest of the team. Injurycalculator.ca if you find out what your pain and suffering component of your claim should be. There's a, uh, a very quick calculation. It takes about 30 seconds to go through the metric. And there's a uh, button at the bottom. You can contact uh, Savannah there as well. Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio, AM640.